0: Night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio.
1: Evening, dear listener, the late night alternative. I'm Ian Lee. Who are you? Catherine
0: Boyle, it's obviously.
1: Flip it. We say obviously. We, we stopped wearing name tags a while ago, and I struggle to, to remember what's going on. Very, very hot in here. Mm-hmm. James Whale has left it very, very hot.
2: They like it warm, don't they?
1: It, it stinks. Oh, 0344. Four. Is that your computer making noises?
2: Oh, it better not be.
1: Every time.
2: I've got oh. a lot of windows open. I'm a very busy
1: person. <laughs> 0344-499-1000 is the telephone number. We have a special guest coming up later. But in the first hour, that's a joke. Oh, OK. That was a joke. Sorry. I, I, I apologise. Yeah. Uh, We've got, we got, uh, we got my friend Chip here, Chip Summers. Hi. I don't know how to describe you. Okay, physically or as my well, physically, job? you're a, an older, very slim gentleman. Thank you. Towsled hair. I, I bespectacled. I, yeah, <laughs> I am.
3: A, I'm a therapist who specialises in alcoholism and addiction of all kinds. Yeah, I'm in recovery myself. Have been for a long time, and I'm. I've spent doing the only job. Probably, I've got my. CV would allow me to do, which is working with other addicts and alcoholics.
1: Uh, we should say that I, I see you on a, as a professional, we have you a do, professional so, relationship. So I
3: must be careful what I reveal.
1: Well, no, I've said you can reveal um, like 95% of everything that we, I've said in your room, I've said on the air. There are a couple of exceptions, yeah. which I've made uh, clear. Which, uh, via I've got legal letter. down in front of me here. Yes. Yeah. But you can say anything you want. If, if anything comes out, I don't want I'll just dump it. But, but we're quite honest on this show. But I, I thought it'd be nice to get you on. A because about six months ago you asked if you could come on and plug your podcast.
3: I I suggested it gently (laughs) that that might be the idea, but
1: also because. Um, we have had recently, we've had a real run, Catherine, haven't yeah. we, of people phoning up who... And by the way, if you just want to phone up and do the... Chip's going to be here for an hour, right? But if you just want to phone up and do the normal dicking around, you're very, very welcome to. You know what it's like when we have a guest on. We sort of, we have, we talk to the guest, but we have the normal show running underneath it as well. So if you want to phone up and talk nonsense, 0344 499 But we've had a lot of people, mm. primarily men phoning up recently who are struggling with booze and or drugs yeah. there seems to have been quite a few
2: which i think is brilliant because
1: everyone loves a junkie
2: no because they're ringing up and they're talking yeah. about it whereas before it's something that they've kept secret and of course secrecy feeds it right yeah so they've been ringing up because you've been open about your um, recovery yeah and they feel like they can talk to us about it and you know for the most part they can you know
1: yeah and we've had um All I'm able to do, so I kind of guess I wanted you in a little bit, Chip, just to kind of nudge us, to kind of talk to the people listening at home who may not quite get what addiction is. and You know, there are people that that, that think addiction is self-inflicted and is uh, an extravagance. Um, But also just, I wouldn't mind knowing if what we're doing, what me and Catherine are doing is right. Okay. All I'm doing really is sharing what, the more got people me
3: clean declare themselves to be in recovery, the more people get interested in recovery.
1: But in because I got clean in the twelve steps in in NA and now AA is where I'm going to a lot. We're supposed to keep. We're not supposed to identify ourselves as alcoholics and addicts in public. That's one of the rules.
3: Well, it it kind of. I think you're not supposed to say that you go to A or N. I think the thing you just did was what you're not supposed right. to do. Right, that's one
1: of the steps, isn't it? We, y- we, you
3: kind of just have to. Ju- I mean, I don't have any problem saying I'm in recovery. Why keep it a secret? There's people out there who don't know that recovery exists and are dying to find a way to get hold of it. Yeah. And if we have information or knowledge that can help somebody find recovery, why on earth would I keep that secret? So I think anybody like you and people like Russell Brand who've come out and declared themselves to be in recovery, it gets people so keen on the idea that they can
1: do it. It gets rid of the shame as yeah, well. That's one of the yeah. big things yeah. is the shame. Yeah. That I, 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 I'm trying to sort of say how we met, and I've got, I won't mention any names because that's inappropriate, but so I had 13 years clean. But by the end of that, the last two years, I was going nuts because I stopped going to meetings. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I've shared all of this before. Uh, and I was slowly going nuts and then kind of a ending of a marriage and living in a, a, a room on my own in, a, in an awful block of flats but not telling anyone. Then doing I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Yeah. And and I came back and I went nuts again. Um, you know, all of those things piled up without having any recovery going on made me go nuts. And I... um Came back from Australia and within days I had arranged to go to meet up at some kind of weird sex thing because I knew there there was going to be class A drugs there. And I thought, well, I'm not going to ask for the drugs. But if someone offers me the drugs, I think I'm going to take them because I think I'm okay now. Oh, okay. I don't think I was an addict before. I think maybe I was younger. I didn't quite. I, I think I can handle it. And I ended up in this this horrible grim flat with this guy and uh, he had crystal meth, which is a drug I'd never done before. Cocaine yeah. was my drug of choice. Yeah. Um, and uh, suddenly I'm smoking crystal meth after not having done any class A drugs. Big hit. For 13 years. Well, the first 20 minutes, nothing's happening. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is yeah. rubbish. And then 20 minutes in, suddenly I was very, very high and the voice in my head went welcome home yeah. welcome home do you know what i mean it's, yeah, a, it's, a, it's a, welcome home this yeah. is what were you doing leaving me for 13 yeah. years and for five minutes it was awesome i was high and i felt comfortable and it was i was felt loved and i was like embraced by this crystal meth for five minutes and then after that the next 24 hours were awful and painful yeah. and miserable and um Uh, I'm lucky that my relapse only only lasted three months. And straight away, from the very next day, I knew this wasn't what I wanted. The very next day, I told Catherine what I'd done. I got in touch with a couple of friends from NA who I hadn't spoken to for years and said what I'd done. I went to a meeting that night... And it, it was three years. I don't know it was five, six, seven, eight, ten. I don't know how many more times I did it in that three months. But I did it, and I lied a lot. I, are you going to be okay this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to be fine. I'm not, I'm you know on the check, way home.
2: Picked up. on the way home, yeah. knowing
1: that I was going to go and pick up drugs yeah. and then check into a hotel for the weekend. Blah, 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 blah. Insanity. When I was in a hotel for the weekend, <laughs> in insanity. I got in touch with a couple of people on Twitter. Privately, who I knew were in recovery and who I knew a little bit, I knew a little bit. I I'd, I'd met them professionally. I'd met them in the rooms, and one of them said, uh, "Here's Chips. Here's a guy called Chip Summers. Here's his number. Why don't you give him a call? He might be able to do something." And I was like, "Okay," and I don't really remember much of that. I think I phoned you on a, a weekend and said, yeah. "I'm, I'm, I'm stuck here, and I don't know." I didn't really know who you were. No, no. Good. Yeah, yeah. It was good. Yeah. And that was that was kind of the start of our. I still had a few more use ups in me after that, but it, it, it only lasted three months. Thank God. Um, and then we started working together. Has it only been two years then? About that, I would think it must yeah. be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be two years clean next March. I know. It's fantastic. You should be very proud. Thank you. But that's how we met. Um, and you're very well respected with, well lots of people know about. you mentioned Russell Brand. I'm not going to mention any names and if you do then we can go there but otherwise I'm not going to. Um, but you mentioned Russell Brand and of course a lot of people will know who you are because he wrote about you in his... Well that's why I think I will use his name.
3: There used to, there was a famous therapist uh, about in about 20 years ago and he went on morning television and said the thing about Elton John and Michael Jackson that they absolutely like about me is my confidentiality. <laughs> 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 ah,
1: fantastic.
3: fantastic. Yeah. So uh yeah, oh, but I know Russell's put it out there so I don't have any a problem mentioning but I wouldn't mention any other class. name. No. no. And
1: how again if I ask anything that's inappropriate then say but how did, you did you help Russell get clean? How how are you part of his orbit?
3: I was uh, sort of floating about an agency, John Knowles agent, Noel, okay. uh, John Knowles management and yeah, yeah. I would go in there and Pick up their kind of waifs and strays who were going a bit awry. Oh and wow! Okay. Sort of give. It was like in-house therapists. Uh, I've met John. Now. He, they, they, uh, they, as an agency, were actively, I would en- well, encouraging they, you. Yeah, they, that's they would, good. Yeah, they. I would come in if they had somebody who had a problem and try and sort them out. And uh, one day they presented me with this lunatic. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was obvious that he needed to go straight from here do not pass go do not
1: pick up drugs or 200 pounds and go to treatment yeah he and he's <clears throat> i don't to let's not talk about too much but there, but there are examples like that of people who were hopeless he was absolutely hopeless. i
3: mean he you know i know it's an old cliche but you know if you keep on using drugs at that level yeah you're going to cut your life very short, yeah, and or you're going to end up in in a prison somewhere, or, or you're going to end up in big trouble.
1: Yeah. Um, how did you? You're you're an addict. Yeah.
3: Was an addict for twenty years. Yeah.
1: What was can I, can I ask? What was going on? Open Again, I
3: sort of know some of it. It was very sort of train spotting, grubby squats in West London crime every day it was just real street level junkie stuff nothing nice about it at all and it
1: was there i can kind of see i think i was always going to take drugs i i i you know i, I part of me thinks it's a genetic thing uh, but but i i can also see things that happened to me as a kid a little bit of abuse there yeah Dad that was quite dismissive, mum that was over yep. over affectionate and over dependent on me. All these little things kinda nudge me towards it. Was there anything that Lots of sex abuse? Right. As a kid.
3: As a child, yeah.
1: As a very young child.
3: Six years old. Right. Uh, that went on for about five years from a member of my family. And then when I went to boarding school the teacher, the music teacher took a fancy to me and he would um me off every time I um had a piano lesson. Wow. So I never learnt the piano. And that damaged me, obviously. Not yeah. learning the piano is a terrible thing to have to carry in life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, everybody who comes to see me has got dysfunction in their history. Yeah. Everybody. Anybody who gets really messed up with drugs, I think, has once you unravel it all and get rid of the drugs and the alcohol, you are always revealed as sort of slightly damaged goods. Mm. And actually, practically always an absent father, strangely enough. Really? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I keep on waiting for the client to walk in who's not had that, but everybody, either emotionally, it could be just emotionally absent or just ab- absent altogether. Um... So that thing you were saying about genetic, I think there will shortly be some kind of, I mean, they have gen, found genetic failures for practically everything. Yeah. The, they'll find something about alcohol dependency. But, you know, if you grow up in a home where alcohol, to your parents are both alcoholics, you're going to be messed up. So whether it's genetic or the fact that you just had a really bad childhood, sometimes it's difficult to just
1: differentiate. And there's the the the, sim, the thing that I'm finding through my recovery is that the connection. I, I went to NA fifteen sixteen years ago, whenever it was, because I had a problem with drugs. I couldn't stop taking cocaine. Couldn't stop it. Couldn't stop it. Couldn't stop it. And I went to the meetings firstly because. I wanted to be able to take it socially again. I thought, well, if I can just do a couple of lines a week, you know, that'd be cool. Realised that was never going to happen. Um, But so then I was going to stop taking drugs. But then that was then replaced very quickly by acting out around sex. Then when I managed to put that on hold, it then becomes buying crap on eBay. We both joked about having boxes of stuff in the boot of our car. Yes. That we have bought... Not necessarily to hide it from our partners, although there's an element of that. Partly to hide it from ourselves. You buy yep. this stuff and you spend a fortune, and you don't know what to do with I it. I did it yesterday.
3: Did you do it yes, again? Yes, I've done it again. I bought something, a computer screen, which I thought was going to be fantastic, and it doesn't work with my computer. And uh, but it was good. Well, great opening the box. Opening the box was good. Oh, opening the box was
1: spectacular. <laughs> oh, yeah, was are you going to take it back, or are you just going to hang I'm on? Not to sure. It? Yeah, because
3: I, I, I
2: hang on to yeah, these I, things. Well, you thinking you are going to get the other part at some point. Yeah,
3: my wife will say, "Oh, send it back, get a refund," and I go, "Oh, can't be asked. It's so much trouble getting yeah. a refund." Meanwhile,
2: it sits there saying, "You did this again."
3: It glows at me. Yeah, it will do. I mean, I know these things are in the boot of the car, but and they glow at me. I mean, there is. I was clearing out my car today, actually. And there was a very, very expensive backpack in there. I've got four very expensive backpacks because But only one back. Only one back. But there was just something not quite right about it.
1: But then so why is that? So why haven't
3: if, I sold it on eBay, which is what I should do? What if,
1: if you're How long are you clean and sober for, for thirty-five years. Wow. Yeah. Does that mean we we can never no, I don't think I'm a good example. Then. I think there are people who are 35 years who are much weller than I am. Why well, am yeah. I paying to see you then? I've seen the wrong guy. <laughs> but it's all it's all connected. This 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 desire. We've got some calls, and we've got Alistair calling who'll be interesting to speak to in a minute. Um to change the way we feel, either by having sex, either by taking cocaine, yep. either by drinking, or stealing, or yep. gambling, or eating or whatever. It's this desire and to not feel things. Completely, yeah. It's all about. That's what it's all
3: about. It's like, I don't want to feel these bad, nasty feelings.
2: How much of it is like distraction, diversion?
3: Some of it is. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody's got their thing. But I mean, if you've been a full-on addict, you've got a lot of time to fill if you give up the drugs. Mm-hmm. So that's what do I do with all that time. Well, I need to fill it with something. So that's where I can find other distractions. And other things to do, and then gradually, if you become more responsible, the things that you can do become more limited. So I am now limited to buying crap,
1: and uh, it works. Yeah. Uh, th- th- this is how my mind works, right? I don't ever want to. Ta- I don't want to take a drug or drink today, right? And I-, I never want to do it again. But there's a story in the paper about this new drug, uh, new drug that makes you really aggressive and violent. And I saw I'm re-
2: that, and I deliberately did not bring it to your attention.
1: Oh, no, I know. I'm reading it, going. And it's a horror... A woman's died and its drug makes you very aggressive and very violent. And I'm reading it going...
2: Isn't that the one that makes you want to eat your own face or something? There's
1: a bit of that. (laughs) I'm thinking, that sounds sounds interesting. That sounds fun. That's where my head goes. Yeah, no, my head gets really perturbed by that stuff because there's
3: stuff being turned out of amateur chemical labs that are just so... They haven't got a clue what they're doing. And that's why you get these occasional MDMA deaths and things because... They're not being produced properly, you know. No. You might get a drug that's absolutely 100% ecstasy or something instead of being mixed up with some other things. And...
1: But that's how sick my head is, because I know, of course I know all that. Yeah. And the stuff that I've shoved up my nose that was, you know, tasted of, of scrubbing powder and stuff, but I carried on doing it. But I still read a story like that and there's a bit of me that goes, that sounds like, that's got to be worth... That sounds like a... Worth a a go. Worth a go. And of course it's not, of course I'm not going to. But my first reaction is, oh, I wonder where you can get that from. Second reaction is, well, let's move on and read another news story.
3: Well, we're definitely moving into a world where there will be lots and lots of legal drugs for all kinds of emotions, you know. We are going to, you know, any kind of anxiety, grief, any kind of just depression, we're going to be medicated out of... You know, you'll never go and see a psychiatrist... And he's going to say, "Well, actually, it just sounds like your life's been a bit shit lately, and and you're a bit down." He's going to give you a label, and he's going to give you a pack of drugs, and probably you'll probably walk away a little bit happier for a while, yeah. But that can—I mean, I'm on antidepressants. Yeah, helps. It helps, but I just think—I mean—and there is definitely really good circumstances where drugs play a really important part. But I just think we're moving towards. Oh my god, I feel a little bit uncomfortable. I've yeah, got yeah. to go and get a pill for it. Yeah. And there's a big difference between depression and just having
1: a bit of a bad time. Let's take a quick break. Then we're going to take a couple of calls. 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio.
0: Late night Ian Lee on Talk Radio.
1: Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Chip Summers is here. Chip, we've we, we got Ryan and we've got Alistair calling in and we're going to go to those gentlemen in a second. But there is, a of course, there's a podcast. There it's, is it's a podcast. It's 2020, there's a podcast. There is a podcast, What yeah. is the We'll talk about it more in detail in a bit, but what is it called? It's called Soberful. Right.
3: And it's there, free, and it's about 80 episodes we've got so far. And, and who is it? Is you and... Me and a woman in America called Ronnie Varley used to work for me. Right. And uh, we do a bit of banter. But we always take a different topic every week yeah. to do with people who are either thinking about or in early recovery. So it's very much ran people who are struggling with that changeover from one way of behaving to another. And it's not geared for people like me who've been around for years and years. It's for people who who are just kind of in the early days. Mm.
1: And uh, Sober Falling, you can get that everywhere, right? everywhere iTunes and, yeah. Yeah. and we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. Let's go to Ryan. Good evening, Ryan.
4: Uh, good evening, Ian. How's it going?
1: Very well, Ryan. What you got for us?
4: Uh, well, my original plan for tonight was I was just going to ring in and talk crap, but then uh, I heard some stuff that you were talking about that actually resonated quite a bit with me. You can so You like,
1: can talk about the stuff that resonated and then talk crap if you want. Uh
4: yeah, that's all right. Of course yeah. it is. Of course it is. Uh, yeah, go on. Right. Uh, so going on uh, addictions. Uh, I'm uh, so I'm I'm 24 years old. Uh, I'm I've gone a month clean. Uh, my main drug was uh, cocaine, uh, and I was uh, I was sort of using it as a crutch to be better in social situations. Mm. Uh and uh recently, about a year ago, uh I don't know if you've heard of this show, but I went on this show called Take Me Out, the RTV One show.
1: What's that? Is that the dating yeah, show? Yeah, Where it's like twenty women lined up and they have to have you seen this chip? No. no. It's like a sort of modern yeah. blind date, but with yeah, okay. okay. You went on that did you? Wow.
4: Yeah, and uh the 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 thing is, even though I came across quite well on it, pretty much most of the time I was high. Uh <laughs> oh, man. And and yeah it uh, i ended up coming back from it and uh being like you know I, I can't keep using this to to feel good i need to find another way to feel good and uh yeah going back to how your childhood can affect you later in life uh i i, I do agree quite a bit i think uh it's a case of you know upbringing and your environment as well um and, uh, yeah, so I lost my dad at quite a young age. I, I was 18. And, uh, yeah, my dad, uh, not only was he my dad, he, he was my best friend as well. He, he was an absolute legend. And my uh, mum as well. My mum, don't get me wrong, she's not a bad person, but um, in the politest way possible, I'd say she's an emotionless zombie. Uh, so, uh, yeah, not not a great... Not, not a great up- upbringing I'd say and it sort of led to that later in life but uh, yeah what I'm trying to do now I'm trying to fill my time up uh, with other things that make me feel good and one, one of the things that resonates with me is music uh, and performing live uh, I'm a guitar player and a singer Go on,
1: Chip, do you want to say Oh anything? yeah
3: well I just want to say that you know uh, I think what you just said then about finding social situations difficult they are definitely difficult at the beginning when you've given up one drug that's really helped you with social situations. When you're suddenly without that, social situations are really hard to begin with. It takes quite a long time to build up confidence again, but it's really good that you've got a, an interest that fills up that time in the music, something that occupies your mind because you want to try and keep as busy as possible to begin with.
1: Uh, yeah, I... Are you finding it difficult not not without the coke?
4: Uh. When I go on a night out and, uh, you know, you see everybody talking and having a good time and if you're one of these people who's sort of uh, quiet and in the corner, you sort of feel like, you know, it's like Superman's cape, you know what I mean? You're like, you know, let's just go in the the telephone box, you know, as it were, put, put my cape on and then I can be this social superhero, you know, and... You know that that's the that that's where
1: the. Oh, I like the metaphor that Superman is Clark Kent coked up. That's <laughs> yeah. that's a great way of putting it. But are you? But you're you, you're finding it difficult, but okay.
4: Uh, in in day-to-day life, when I'm at work, it's fine because i mm-hmm. I've thought of getting get in the work mode. It, it's when you're out of yeah. work and you're with friends and uh, you you feel like that there's no boundaries. You know what I mean? It's like. You know, uh, you're out and about, everybody's drinking, everyone's having a laugh and, you know, you just want to be like them and if it doesn't come naturally to you, you sort of try and find other ways
3: to... It 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 won't come naturally to begin with. No. You can't just make that switch overnight. It won't come naturally straight away. And you're putting yourself under a lot of pressure going back into places where Mm. everybody's doing coke and everybody's high... You know, they look like they're having fun, but you and I both know that in the morning they're on a come down and it ain't going to be so great. Um, so I would probably try and avoid places where you're going to be in front of people who are obviously sort of tempting you almost all the time.
4: Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, and like, Just
3: until you get stronger.
4: Yeah, definitely. And like I say, my main focus now is just the, the music, you know, playing live and you know and entertaining people yeah. with, with the music you know we all have a common love for one thing and i think is isn't
1: your ryan have i got do i remember correctly your taste in music is awful isn't it
4: uh my, my my taste in music
1: have we not talked about this before who do you
3: like ryan
4: uh who do i like yeah. uh like a Bit of everything, really. I'm quite
3: into my 50s and 60s. Oh, no, okay. It was someone else. It was, All other right. Ryan it, it was another <laughs> Ryan with terrible taste. It was
2: another
1: Ryan with terrible taste. I'm sorry, Ryan. I, I, I didn't mean to. I, there was, I remember someone calling in and I was quite angry with their musical taste. But that <laughs> 50, your 50s and 60s fixation, Ryan, you can keep. Oh, brilliant. Oh, that's good. Did you want to talk crap for 30 seconds? Uh, yeah, this
4: was going to lead into me talking crap. Uh, so basically, uh, uh, I was going to ask, what, what's your opinion on the open mic? Music scene for like young budding musicians.
1: Um, I d- well, I don't know, as I'm, I'm not a young budding musician anymore. As you know, I'm a very successful recording artist. <laughs> uh, with just signed a new deal with Columbia Records, guys. <laughs> um, it's, I, it's all right. I, I imagine it's slightly exploitative, but it gets you seen. It gets you stage time. That was always the phrase when I was like doing stand up was get a bit of stage time.
4: Yeah, I think my opinion is is that it's not promoted enough and uh, I feel like uh, the art scene is sort of dying a little bit. Uh, I sort of came to this conclusion. See, I, I've relocated to a little town in Leicestershire called Ashby de la Zouche. Oh,
1: that's very uh, posh. I always used to think, uh, I see that written down and think it was very posh. Well, I don't it's know. got a bit
2: of French in it. Yeah, de
1: la Zouche. I don't know if it is posh or not, but, um, yeah. It's overrated. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, a, a uh, lot of towns are there. <laughs> yeah, there. I live near
4: there. Uh, yeah, I went to this, uh, like, a jam night, like a, a, a plug and play, uh, this was on Friday, and uh, I went in there, and the first red flag was that there was only about seven people in there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I know it's January, but it was like the end of January. Uh, everyone's already been paid. You know, I know I know the weather wasn't very good, but it's like, you know, we live in ashby there, there There's no to bloody do around here, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't want to come out and do some free live music. You know, so... everyone's. But rich- you're
3: going to need these stories when
1: you're famous.
3: Yeah. You're going to need, say, you know, I used to go to Ashby Deleuze and play in front of five
1: people and, you know, I did it. These are the these are the gigs that are going to make you, Ryan. Yeah. I've done stand-up in front of five people. And now look at me.
2: <laughs> Not a stand-up anymore. <laughs> Ryan, listen, it's nice
1: to talk to you. I'm going to move on because we've got quite a few phone calls. Thank you, mate. Let's go to Alistair. Evening, all. Hey, Alistair, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good today. Thanks. You've, you've been uh, a little bit down, but you're on the up. Yeah.
0: Um, what, what I was wondering to ask, um... Chip. I don't know to call you. Chip, Chip or Mr yeah. Summers? No, Chip,
1: please. Um, Mr Summers.
0: Chip. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been... Uh, tomorrow I'll be nine months sober. Well done. Well, well done. Uh, Thank you. Um, I was, um, an alcoholic for many years, really. Right. Although I didn't recognise it. Um... And um, so I've just recently in the last couple of weeks got a sponsor Mm -hmm. Um, and um, we've had our first meeting and we're going to be embarking on the steps. Now, I'm particularly um, anxious about the four and step five, which relate to talking about all the people you've heard, um, Mm. you know, in the past and so forth. And um
1: for, Daniel, let me, for, for those who don't know, because we talk about the steps a lot, for those who don't know, basically it's a set of... Uh, it's a
3: sort of structure for dealing... Well, first of all, it's kind of a structure for admitting you've got a problem, admitting that you need help. And then four and five, Alistair, are kind of writing down a lot about your history, really. It's almost a life story. It's eight and nine that are about making amends for your thing, the people that you've harmed. Mm-hmm. So four is oh,
1: you write right. down basically everything yeah. you've done and you're ashamed of and you hate. So, four and f-
3: four or five is about learning about yourself. What do you like, sort of? What are your pluses? What are your assets? What are your defects? What are the things that you need to work on? That sort of uh-huh. thing. But the, thing the, one, is- the one you're talking about is eight and nine. Why does it bother you?
0: Um, well, actually, that no, i got that mixed up. You're absolutely right. No, four or five, I also suffer from depression. Right. And I've got, um, I'm on um, uh, a vaccine for that. Right. And... Um, Already, um, I've kind of been emotionally very up and down recently, um, and, and I'm wondering whether I'm anxious about what's going to come with thinking and bringing back a lot of stuff that's happened mm. in the past.
3: Then do it at and, your pace. You do it. You do it when you want to. Yeah. I mean, do it eventually, but do it when you're ready for it. Don't do it if you're going to feel it's going to upset you now. Don't do it. There's no it's no, there's no
1: timetable you've got to adhere to. But also, they're written in that order because by the time yeah. you get to step three, by the time you finish step two, you're ready for step three. By the time you finish step four, you're ready for step five. It's kind of, it's not like day one, you've got hit, write a list of people you were shit to and go and say sorry to them now. It is not, it's not that. It, it, you mm-hmm. kind of build up to it in order so that you get to the step you're meant to be on at the right time. And also you don't have to if it's your fear of saying sorry to everyone, you don't have to say sorry to everyone. That's a slight... Slightly misleading part of it as well. That was one of the things Chip that put me off going into recovery. Was thinking, oh, "God, I've got to say sorry to everyone that I was horrible to." Mm. And you don't. That's not what it is.
3: No, it's about people you've harmed, and actually, it's far fewer people than you think it is. Yeah, I thought I'd harmed everybody I ever came into contact with, so there wasn't going to be enough paper in the world to, you know, yeah. for my list. It was I hurt because I hurt everybody. But actually, when I really looked at the people I'd harmed, it's a, like a little shopping list. It's got about. Fifteen names on it. And
1: right.
3: I had to kind of do a bit of a catch-all for things like Society, who I had obviously been an absolute menace to, but yeah. uh, the actual people I'd harmed were basically just my family, a few friends who'd reached out to me. You know, people I'd mouthed off in the street, I didn't harm them or do anything like wrong with them. But, I mean, I wouldn't... Uh, Alistair, I wouldn't think your list was that long, was it? Well, no, no
0: not so much. I mean, I've got... I mean, the family... Um I've got two brothers. I probably need to make amends to him at some point. But, um, you, may,
3: you may find I've had, it, it, if, if it's my experience is anything to go by, I had, I, let's say it's 15 people on my list. 14 of them were really lovely experiences.
1: Right. It's yeah. actually, it is, this will sound cheesy. It's actually, it's quite beautiful. Yeah. It's quite beautiful. Oh. Right in the list, it, I found daunting. And I still make amends now the people that I... I bumped into someone in the street a couple of months ago that I I behaved terribly towards at work and and, and really let down. And I just bumped into her. I've not seen her for 20 years. And I went, oh, my God. And we chatted and I said, "I, I feel I owe you an apology because of this, this and this. And she went... Oh God! Oh no! That that was nothing, and we kind of laughed about it. Th- for the most part, it's it's beautiful, and each time I've said sorry or apologised or explained the situation, I've come away feeling a little bit lighter.
0: Yeah I, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's just I suppose what I'm thinking is is you know I'm I'm, I'm very um, uh, ashamed about some of the things I have done. Yeah.
3: Yeah, me too. And
0: um, it, it's about dealing with that, I think, with me. And and, and like you say, you're absolutely right. I should just sort of try and go gingerly into this. Yeah, it's you, it's, think,
3: you, you can you can dictate the pace. I mean, if your yeah. sponsor's rushing you too much, just say no. you're rushing me too much. I don't want to go that fast.
0: No, no, no. I mean, it's, it's not that I'm just preempting it. I guess. Well, exactly. Have you done step yeah, one yet? The fact that you're on
3: the show, <laughs>
1: Alistair. Have you done step one yet? Well, he has done because he's nine months sober. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, he's a, a done step of, two and
3: three officially
1: as well. with your sponsor. No, yeah, no. Well, then, I get, mean, enjoy those. Savor those. List, yeah, yeah. All right, Alistair. Listen, I'm going to move on because we got we got we got calls. Um, Sean's on the line. Thank you, Alistair. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And well done for nine months. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, Sean. Hi, mate. Hello, what you
5: got? I've got, um, it's what you've been talking about most of the night, but it's something that's really, really rather at the My brother died on a Friday. Oh, mate, I'm sorry. And he, he was a long-time drinker. Um, Sean, do us a
1: favour, he, can you turn your radio off? Because I can hear it in yeah, the background yeah. and it's just, com- it just confusing everything
5: yeah, a little that bit. Now. Yeah, that's gone now. Thank you. Yeah, now my my brother he's he's a big fan of your show as well. We used to sit around his house at late at night and just watch like listen to talk radio and yeah. BBC Sport and all that sort of stuff. And but he did he did drink quite a great deal of things like white ciders and spirits. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was part of a thing called the Monday Club where all the people would get their gyros, they would put their money together, and they'd all drink together. Well,
1: I'm sorry that uh, you, I'm I'm sorry for your loss, mate.
5: Well, that isn't, that isn't the reason why I'm actually calling it. I'm trying to motivate myself in this way and speak to you. But the thing is, is um, the reason why he went, I think, is because he went into hospital and then he just decided to stop straight away. He just stopped everything straight away. Mm. And then within a few days, he's gone. So I think that anybody that's, you know, if they have got a problem with drugs or drink and stuff, you can't just go, stop, I'm going to stop now this minute
3: would never advise that. It's a really dangerous
5: and, thing to do. I think that's what Mark did. I think that Mark, he, I think that he just went, no, right. I can't do this no more. And I think that that's probably what took him. And, and like everybody, a lot of people have said today, I had somebody just now talked about the power of music and things. Mark was a brilliant guitarist and things. He's, he's going to be truly, but he really likes your show and stuff. But I just want to say, even if you're going to stop, you have to, you can't just stop, stop. You have to.
3: Yeah. You have to do it under medical supervision.
5: Yeah,
1: Sean. Can I ask? Uh, we don't take this the wrong way. What, no, I'm what?
3: absolutely fine. I'm four
5: days in now. I've got my daughter lives with me. I'm a single dad. I've got, I've got a lot of things going what's, on. I'm uh, absolutely fine.
1: What's your relationship with with booze?
5: Mine. Yeah, I have an alcohol issues. Yeah, but I'm since I've become an alcohol since I've become a yeah, alcohol since I've become a single dad, I've had to curb that down. Lots of things have happened in different ways around me. I mean, I have social workers and things that are helping me and care, and, you know, all that sort of thing. So, yeah, I've had my own issues. Can I, and
1: I'm, can I ask, have you, uh, uh, have you had a drink today? Not today, no. No, I, I, but I'm. The thing is,
5: my brother's funeral is in within the next two weeks yeah. and I haven't. And I've tried not to drink since yeah. A and it's beginning to get quite hard at the minute. To be honest, it's beginning to bite. But I mean,
1: I guess the key thing there, Chip, is if you got obviously grief is going to be incredible. But got it, to think I mean, think grief's enormous. Kid. Yeah. kid, you've got to think about your kid.
3: You've got to think yeah. about, I mean, the thing that kept me sober, definitely to begin with, was that I had a young daughter of eight. And uh,
5: yeah, my, my, my daughter lives in the room next door to me. We're in the bed yeah. and breakfast shares at the moment. But, sure.
3: Because, yeah. We ended up in bed and breakfast on Suffolk yeah. Road, Suffolk Gardens. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think I mean she was the person that kind of motivated me because I had trouble kind of getting the sort of willpower to get it together to to get myself because I didn't think much of myself. I just thought I was a bit of shit and I couldn't really that's kind of. It's all
5: happening now, but not not through because of my but because I wasn't there for my brother when he would probably needed me, and now he's gone. He only went a few days ago, and Molly's she's thirteen, but she's holding me. She's looking after me when I should be the one looking after her. But it affects.
3: You do get yeah, that I mean, role, you do get that role reversal a bit, you know. There's lots of young children who are looking after kind of parents who've got alcohol problems. But the thing that you can do is to now you're know, acknowledging that, and you can change that around. And uh, in a few months' time, you'll be looking after her in the way that you shouldn't want to.
5: Yeah, it's just in um, a crazy week. But as soon as I heard you talking, I did Mark would... Nice one, Mark. Sure. We'd normally be listening to this, and Ethan. And I normally go to speak to and he's not there anymore. Well, Sean, so listen,
1: I'll you give, you give, a give us a call anytime you want, and, and good luck over the next couple of weeks as you build up towards the funeral.
5: Yeah, nice one, guys. Thank
1: you, mate. Let's take one more quick call, and then we'll have a quick break, and then we'll talk about the podcast again. Um, uh, let's go to Mark. Hello, Mark. Oh, we about Mark. There, was Sean. we've got a uh, Mark. Hey, Mark, are you okay? Hello, yeah. what you got for us? All right, man. Um, Hello, Catherine and Ian. Hi, Hello. Um, can I speak to Chip? You can yeah, speak to I'm Chip. Here. I'm here. Hello. Um,
3: and more of a question on behalf of Catherine and Ian. They've mm. said about um,
1: when there's people who've had problems and various things happening, and about taking the, those problems away with them after the show. How do you
3: keep those problems from not getting inside you? That's a I do various question. voluntary work myself, and I can't really explain how I keep it sort of that one step away, if
1: you get what I mean. I, strug- I do know exactly I what you mean. taking a lot of the I, stuff home that yeah. we get given from some of our callers.
3: Yeah, no, I, I get that completely. I remember when I first started working, I would really, really sort of take that stuff home and turn it over in my head over and over, and I suppose it just came... It's not that I'm disinterested, but I just learned how to kind of shut down between my work and my social life and my yeah. home life. But it took a bit of time, but, you know... Uh, but but there even still you know there are still people who kind of I get concerned about and worried about in but you know when I don't see them and in between sessions you have to it's you can't just become a sort of robot and not have any feelings about other people at all. But I think I've learned over time to try to sort of get a bit of a difference between my work and 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 everything else because otherwise you you become useless as a worker if you if you're completely kind of. Affected by everything, you've got to be able to be effective as well. And in order, I suppose to, what um, I'm asking, I suppose what I'm asking her is, is what advice would you give for Catherine and Ian to stay that one step removed, and also people listening? Is oh, I wish you think that, I it, think they should have a debrief after the show and just talk, and make sure that they're both okay, make sure if there's any th- things that have particularly touched on them each night, and uh, anything that's come up for them that's been difficult to actually kind of talk about it for about five minutes, and then kind of look after each other
1: and then go their separate ways. Sounds about right. Thank you very much.
2: You all right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Let's have a quick break. Is
2: that the debrief? That's that's it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's have a quick break. This is Talk Radio.
0: Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio.
2: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.
1: We got another ten minutes. Chip Summers is here. What? That's there's, the, the podcast is called. It's called Soberful. S S-O-B- O. You don't need you, uh, the headphones on if you don't. Oh, want. don't I? Go on. Soberful. Oh, I can hear you better. There now. we go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, it's called Soberful. Uh, you can get it on all the kind of usual. Uh, it's free.
1: Uh, it's free. Yeah. And it's, you're like a Harley Street therapist, so uh, you, you, people can pay uh, top dollar to see some you. Some people pay a lot of money to. People come People fly see you. all over the world. Um, and but you can, you are giving this stuff away for free Absolutely. in this podcast, yes. And there
3: are about 80, I think we're up to episode 87. They're right. about an hour long each one, and they're a different topic each week, uh, to do with trying to get sober, getting sober. What do you do once you've got sober? How do you have sex sober? How and do by you talk sober? To people?
1: specifically alcohol or drugs? And,
3: and I think probably... I mean, I always try and throw in the drug bit, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's to do with anybody who's trying to get into recovery. But I think, I suppose, the main thrust is about people who are drinking, but uh, and most of the people who listen to it seem to me, but it, it would apply to yeah. anybody. It would apply to anybody.
1: Um, one of the key things about being an addict and an alcoholic, maybe more an addict if we want to draw sides... There is there are differences. There are differences. Yeah, there are differences. Is... We're really clever and persistent and devious. Very devious. Come up with genius, normally overcomplicated wheezes to get drugs and money and sex and things. Am I allowed to ask about when you pretended? And I'm not making light of. I'm not making light Pretend to be which one? (laughs) The photocopier (laughs) repair?
3: Oh, that was a good story, yeah. Somebody (laughs) gave me a white coat, a white coat, and I thought, oh, I'll be a doctor today. This get, is when you're using. Yeah, Yo, yeah, I'm a full on addict and I look like shit and I've got kind of scabs all over the place. But I thought I've got a white coat, I'll be alright, I'll go to a hospital and I'll be able to get some syringes and needles and things like that. And and uh and then I thought, no, that's a bit ambitious. I bet I better tone it down a bit. I'll be a photocopy repair man. <laughs> so I got a little my little sort of burglars kit, which was sort of screwdrivers and things like that that I needed in order to do my usual breaking and entering. And I went to Barclay Square where J. J Walter Thompson had their offices at the time. Huge advertising agency. And I just marched straight in, speeding out of my head. I was doing a lot of amphetamines at the time. Mm. Photocopy repair man. I walked straight past reception got into the building and uh, started wandering around this office, seeing what there was to to steal. And... uh, um, and he, suddenly somebody said, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm the photocopy repair man." He said, oh, good, it's this way. And he <laughs> took me down to uh, the photocopy repair. And it was just like this huge photocopy from Star Trek. It was like yeah. huge. And I started pressing buttons and paper was flying out everywhere. I said, it's all right, you can leave me to it. It's all right, it's all right. So he went away and I got out of there as quickly as possible. If in trouble, go to the lavatories, go to the toilets, have a hit. So that's what I did. So I went to the toilets, got up a big syringe full of amphetamines, just about to put it in, and the door gets kicked in and there's three policemen wow. there with guns pointing at me.
1: Jeez.
3: Because it was during the Irish bombing thing and they thought I was a bomber, <laughs> come to bomb this advertising agency. And... uh so I finished the hit, fortunately, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> and then uh, they took me off. And they, I think, at that point, they realised they'd got a nutter on their hands. And uh, eventually, actually, they just let me go. It's
1: exhausting, isn't it? It's really oh, exhausting it was like being a junkie all day long. Yeah, all day long. So tiring, and and. And we're having a laugh about that and I've got funny war stories, but most of it most of it is really boring. Boring and actually not very nice and it's a lot and, of waiting for yeah. phone calls and people oh, to turn up I'm and... pre mobile phone box. Right. Okay. So, yeah, so, so were you using phone boxes and stuff? Yeah.
3: Wow. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to walk around all the time, you'd have to give people money and then they'd disappear for seven hours. Yeah. And you'd have to be watching out the window because they'd get there quicker if you looked down the of street. Of course. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it was like awful. Nowadays, you just ring it up and they stand on the corner and somebody on a scooter comes Kid, and gives it kids to you. these days.
1: Easy. They've kids got it days. so easy. They Is don't there anything know... you want to say, Catherine? Because you've heard a lot of this. Yeah. You you two people I would say and I don't say this lightly you two have both saved my life yeah. this, with, you, know, don't, you know it's not a, a flippant throwaway thing you have both saved my life the reason I am uh, sat here right now is because both of you the reason I am uh, uh, you know you've both got my head sorted around drugs you've both got my head sorted around sex and what sex is supposed to be primarily you Chip thank you know because I s- struggle a lot with relationships and what is appropriate sex and all of that kind of stuff so thank you for that But Catherine, is there anything you want to say or ask? I want to thank
2: Chip because he was brilliant. Some of the lowest points, he gave me some brilliant advice. You got in touch with
1: him as well when I was... Yeah,
2: and he gave me advice about protecting myself from what might happen because that's the feeling. When someone you care about is so out of control, you can live in dread and that is no way to live, is it? You know, I was a nervous wreck sometimes. Mm. And Chip kind of gave me advice about, you know, that whole thing about you can't control it or you can control is your response to it. Yeah. And um, really powerful thing you said to me, and I've told you this, is do as much as you can so that you'll be right with yourself if you survive him. Mm. Yeah. That was an incredible bit of advice and really important and hard to hear, but really necessary. And there'll be people listening to this at the moment who are worried about someone and feeling powerless and, and kind of forgotten about because everyone kind of focuses on the person who's in it, who's the primary yeah. person in it. What would you say to those people? How do they stay sane when everything is completely... There's mayhem around them, isn't it?
3: It is. I mean, for every addict, there's five or six people whose lives are completely devastated. You know, young children who go to school and all they do at school is worry about their parents all day long, what they're going to come home to parents who worry and they don't hear and you know that famous thing about waiting for the phone call is it going to be the phone call that says i need help or is it going to be the phone call from somebody saying he's died or she's died Mm -hmm. you know for every addict and alcoholic there's at least five or six people whose lives are completely dominated by that person's behavior and yet the person with the problem will think this is just my problem Mm -hmm. it's not bothering anybody else at all it's just me it's my problem and it isn't it affects a lot of people so it's 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 really difficult to kind of forget to for people to acknowledge that they're harming other people as and well. And you
1: can't get if you can't get that person clean. You can you know, Catherine could not get me no. clean. My family could not get me clean. They could give me options, they, they could, could present yeah. me with tools, yep. they could show me love. But at some point a lot of at some point they would have to have stepped back yes. and said You're going to have to go on your own because this is too damaging to me.
3: Yeah, there's a difference between that you can't do anything at all Mm. because you definitely can. You can put up boundaries. You cannot collude with the problem. You know, I've had hundreds of families in my career who have said, I don't know what to do about little Johnny. You know, he's 24 years old. He just spends his entire time in his room smoking weed and I don't know what to do. We're at our wits' end. And I say, well... Why would Johnny get better? He's got food, he's got laundry, he's got a nice warm bed, he's got come and go as he pleases, you give him money for his drugs, why on earth would he get better? Mm. So there is a situation where they could do something that actually might get him to change his mind. They could say, sorry, but if you want to do that, you're going to have to do it somewhere else. Mm. And then everybody thinks they're going to die on the streets, of course, but they, they don't, they find somewhere to live. But if people put up better boundaries sometimes people would stop a lot of people collude with the problem mm. which doesn't help at all sober when you're a parent
1: and you think well I can't kick I can't kick
3: him I out I had to do that with my daughter really gave her 2 weeks i said you can do what you like for 2 weeks end of 2 weeks you're either out or you go to rehab and she fortunately went to rehab
1: and it worked um, for a year okay okay yeah.
3: she's now 19 months brilliant. sober again
1: brilliant yeah Parents,
3: a lot of parents would struggle with that. Yes. I mean, no, but I had I, the one of the reasons I struggled with it a lot was because I was part of very responsible for her damage. Right. You know, she was eight or nine when I got clean. Her mother was the same. We had severely damaged her. Right. So that You felt was, responsibility. Yeah, of course. Towards of course, course. I was. Yeah. And uh, the fact that she was acting out with drugs was partly my fault. But at the same time, I was clean then and I had to make a put a boundary up. And, uh, it was very difficult, and I, st- you know, I still have to accept the fact that, you know, I I I damaged that person mm. by my behaviour. Mm. I have to take responsibility for it. And it's hard, um, but thankfully now she's doing all right.
1: Yeah. It's nice to see you out of your. Out of my weird little office.
3: Weird little office with those books that I never read. And not your
1: books, apparently.
3: No, no, no. Oh, you buy all a, all a philosophical books by the yard, please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's So nice to see you. Honestly, uh, I love you, man. And, Thank you. you very know, and I know we have a financial business relationship, but also you've been very kind to me personally. You invited me to yours for Christmas, which was I didn't go. No. But um, maybe next year if that inv- yeah, offer is still it? open. Inver- yeah. And um, I know you've been very kind to Catherine while seeing me as a client and stuff. And thank you, you've, you know, I don't take drugs. In the end of March, I'm going to be two years clean and sober, you know, and you have helped enormously with me coming to terms with being bisexual, which I can say now, still slightly hesitantly, but I can say it in terms of what is appropriate sexually. And, you know, so thank you, man. Thank Thank you you. very much. Soberful is the podcast. It is. You're welcome back anytime you want to Thank you. Um... We'll carry on with the nonsense, dear listener. 0344 4991000. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio.